You alright? My name's Paul of God Autism and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works and I stick them on the internet just in case anyone wants to watch them. There we go. Right. I don't know if I'm going to talk about something that makes me even stranger than I already am or if it's going to make me stand out like a sore thumb draw attention to me, whatever. But I want to talk about something a bit more personal to me and whether it's crazy as a thought process to some, then I apologize. Um, but it also won't apply to everyone either. So I, I will apologize for that. Uh, but I want to talk about Dexter Morgan. Yeah. So some people will know who that is. Some people won't. But Dexter Morgan, for those who don't, is the character, uh, the lead character in the show, Dexter, played by Michael C. Hall. Um, and, you know, Dexter was out a good few years ago now, and then it came back uh, 2021 for another season, which, of course, I'm watching. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say it was a phenomenal show, you know, because some of the seasons were just pants to be honest um you know but i i always watched it regardless so even though the storylines might have been bad i was always drawn to watch it and the reason i was always drawn to watch it is because i connected with dexter morgan the character you know and i know he's a serial killer in the show i've not done any of that messing about in real life not for me thanks um far too messy in the idea of prison too many people um <laughs> but you know I, and what i don't want to do you know i'm trying to keep it light and but it's really difficult to start because i feel stupid for connecting with a serial killer you know for every, every tv show that's ever been on every film any tv program where it's got someone with autism in it as an autistic character i don't connect to them at all but bring me dexter morgan the serial killer and i'm like me and you like kindred spirits mate you know but i don't want to get into the conversation of whether he's a psychopath whether he's a sociopath you know and you know i'm, I'm i know he's more psychopath than sociopath because of his you know cold-hearted behavior and his false uh relationships and his failure to be able to you know get genuine connection with people but welcome to my world you know i suffer with a lot of uh psychopathic tendencies as well you know and that's obviously a misconception people think because you are a sociopath or a psychopath you are going to be violent and not the case you know and i'm not saying i am you know i'd have to be diagnosed officially to uh, even give it an ounce of credence but you know, a lot of uh, psychopaths obviously have a job and a normal life that masks their criminal activity, which is what Dexter Morgan does. Because he's a blood spatter analyst for the police, or at least he was in the original Dexter shows. Um, but I remember the first time I watched it. That's how crazy it is. I've got the worst memory in the world. You know, I need order to everything I do because if I didn't have it, I'd never remember anything. I'd never remember where I'd put my car keys, where I left my coat, all sorts. That's why everything has its pride of place. 
um, because otherwise my life would be in chaos. But I remember when I first watched Dexter, I was working in Edinburgh um, and I'd had a couple of beers and there was this new show about, you know, uh, serial killers. <laughs> but it was more lighthearted and it wasn't a serious, serious show. You know, it was, still had its humor and things. And I thought, I'll give it a shot. And I remember being a little bit drunk and I watched it and I left myself a note. And I have never done this for a TV show. I left myself a note to say, you have to watch Dexter. You have to watch the first episode of Dexter again um, because he talks how you think. And obviously I got up the next day and I wasn't, you know, off me socks. I'd just had a few beers. I'd finished work. It was late. Used to have a pint while, you know, I was doing all the cashing up and what have you. Then, you know, I've had a couple more pints playing a couple of games of pool with a couple of guys who uh, worked there and then went back, you know, so fresh air and all that, long shift. And, you know, I'd left myself a note to tell me to watch it because he spoke how I think. And I remember thinking to myself, what on earth does that mean? And I watched it again and I was thinking, this guy, <laughs> talks how I think. And back then I didn't know I had autism. I just knew I was different. And every now and again I'd say something to see a room full of dropped jaws and think, oh, I shouldn't say that. Cross that off the uh, socialization list. All right. You know, and I had to try and uh, put myself in a box. Um, you know, I just, it was tricky, put it that way. And I think what's hard and the reason I'm struggling to find how to talk about why I relate to someone who's perceived as a serial killer is because if I tell people that I, 95% of me connects with the show, connects with the character of Dexter Morgan, people just see him as the serial killer and then they're quick to be like, oh, you're not like that. You don't go killing people. But what, what they don't see is what the character is and the fact that he's methodical, he is logical, and he lives a double life. And he has a fake, boring life, this persona, this pretense to fit in with the world that he doesn't belong in. I know that feeling. Goodness, do I know that feeling. I have to wear a mask every single day because if people see the real me, it draws attention. And there's a guy on television who is living this pretend life so nobody pays attention to him. It was something as simple as that. I was thinking, I'm going to watch the rest of this. You know, and this is why when it got to later seasons and they started getting rubbish. I stuck in because the storylines weren't the thing keeping me there. What was keeping me there is I had a character in a, in a show who I could relate to. And every now and again, they would do something and I'd be like, yep, I totally get that. You know, cause sometimes you will do something that's outside of your own character because sometimes you like when he was with Lila, in one of the seasons, if again, you're going to have to know Dexter to uh, know what I'm talking about. You know, he was not 
who he usually is, but he was still being true to his mask. He was just letting it breathe a little bit, but he was finding it a bit tricky to see what Lila was really doing because he put so much focus on himself and trying to spin all the plates of keeping everyone around him fooled. You know, because when you are like me, um, you know, I'm trying to keep everyone fooled all the time, but it isn't for a bad reason. It's so I can stay hidden. You know, so when somebody's also playing you at the same time, it is quite easy to have the wool pulled over your eyes. And that's kind of what happened to Dexter when we're talking about Lila, to be honest, you know, but he's Dexter when he's thinking. He's got a monotone voice. He doesn't really fluctuate. When when he's got his inner monologue going, it's quite one level. But then when he's talking to people, he's more animated. The eyebrows are going up and, you know, he's nodding along with what people are talking about. And he'll humour people, even people he finds revolting or they're absolutely nothing like him, like Masuka. You know, that guy was gross. But... He humoured him because if he ever told him how disgusting and revolting he is to be around and listen to, then Masuka would go, oh, we've got tension. And that's not something I would want. So I will humour people even if I've got zero time for them. In fact, I try and bring people who I can't stand even closer because I need to keep a better eye on them. Um, you know, so he does keep that double life going because it's in his best interest and he just so happens to work within his special interest which is blood spatter analysis and i'm not really interested blood doesn't phase me it just stinks um of iron to me i've never liked the smell of blood um or the fact that it feels sticky once it dries on you <laughs> but um I have special interests too, you know, that people wouldn't understand if I really went into depth on it. And I'm pretty sure the same way Dexter Morgan, if he was to like, you know, there's times in the show where he's done um, really good uh, string work to try and figure out the blows. And, you know, people are looking at him as if to say, you put this much effort in. It's a bit over the top, isn't it? You know, and I could sit here and talk about things like football manager and why I've played it since the early 90s and how even though it's ultimately the same game it's always been, I would still look forward to the new release, even though nothing really changes anymore, apart from the teams are a bit more accurate. and Other people just don't get a special interest. People with autism, quite a lot of them have a special interest, which might not be the same as what most people will find interesting, but, you know, Dexter's got his blood spatter. I've got my football manager. It just is how it is. Um, but if you watch the character of Dexter, he's socially awkward. His demeanor doesn't fit the surroundings that he's in, and he rocks on his heels, and his hands are in his pockets, and, you know, he's always in a rush to get to the lift, and... And every time he turns around, he's rocking a little bit and he always sighs when he gets in the lift, like, you know, like he's just had to, that he can un unload that pretense that he's just done on the floor he works on just from leaving his office to get to the lift. Speaking to someone will take it out of him. And, you know, when the lift doors are closing, it's like, oh, right, 
I know from now till the lift comes to the bottom floor or whichever floor is getting off. It's my time. I'm all right. I can breathe out. Jobs are good. Um, and I know that feeling, but instead of getting in a lift, it's closing a door, a car door. You know, if I'm like, all right, thanks very much. Cheers. I'll, I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Get in the car. And you're just so glad to leave the fake behind and you can just sort of feel a bit more you again. So I, I get that. I understand that feeling. So I, I don't even know if that part's sort of written in for the character where he's got to sigh when he gets in the lift, feel like he's been hard done by by that communication. But it's what I take from it. You know? And that's, like I say, that's why in seasons that weren't very good, I carried on watching because it's, it was the little things of the character. And maybe the character's an extension of the actor and maybe he is a bit socially awkward as well. I, don't, I really don't know. I just know it. I just know I relate, you know. Um, and one of the things which I definitely got on board with was the fact that he was in a relationship, you know, with Rita. You know, uh, it was his safe space, his safe place in society. You know, he's, you know, because you, you, when you get to certain ages and you're not in a relationship, it draws the attention of people. You know, it draws the attention of family first. You know, I've mentioned it before, but, you know, when I used to go to my uncle's because I hadn't passed my driving test and I'd never done driving, it was, hmm, have you, have you passed your test yet? No. You know, and it was always like the first thing on the agenda. And then I did it just to shut him up. <laughs> and then, you know, the next thing out of his mouth was sort of girlfriends and kids. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, and I, you know, I think the joy of Dexter is he met someone who was emotionally shut off at first, and I can absolutely see the appeal in that, where they don't want to jump your bones and get lustful because I don't have that in my arsenal. You know, I don't, I don't get it. So when he was, you know, when that sort of was born, and it's like this is Rita, you know, bad past, um, and that sort of suits him where they just have pizza night and watch a film. Hell yeah, sign me up for pizza night and a film. You know, not the rest of the stuff that goes with it. Um, you know, you know, but the, the difference between me and Dexter is Rita had two young kids, Cody and Asta. And uh not for me. I couldn't pretend that far. Because that would wear my patience then, unfortunately, because I'm not a kid. I can't speak kid. Kids don't understand personal space and no, no, no. Um, so when he started, you know, when he was dating Rita and the reasons why I was obsessed from that point, because I was like, that's what I do. I will do short-term relationships to maintain that. You know, I wasn't doing short-term on purpose. I wasn't like breaking hearts. I'm not some Casanova or anything, but I was working away and everyone else was working away and the job was temporary. You know, it was from March till October. And if somebody was from, you know, Hastings and I was working in Scotland, you know, they had a hell of a drive home. And if I was going back to Manchester, that's still a drive. Neither of us drive, you know, and it was never going to last. I knew that, they knew that, but I got to hide. 
I got to blend in by having a relationship, you know, as because everybody else had one. So it was a good way to pretend. So I was jaw dropped when I watched something like that on television thinking, I do that. And that was it. I was, I was absolutely hooked. Um, because even his dark passenger that he talks about in one of the seasons, you know, that ends up sticking around as a reference for him. I get the dark passenger. You know, I get that there's something inside you that drives you, that is ultimately who you really are. And that's me and my autism. And that's me and the way I'm designed. And obviously, I really hope I'm not painting myself out to be a psychopath. This would be a really weird way to come out. But Dexter's Dark Passenger is the thing that's within him that is his urge to kill. Mine isn't. <laughs> I don't really have that urge, to be honest. I want to punch people a thousand times a day, you know, but we do live in a bit of a stupid world, so it's easy to have that, uh, <laughs> that desire. Um, but, you know, his Dark Passenger, like I say, is to kill. And then his fakeness, you know, is who he is for the rest of the time is something he has to work on. And I, I understood that because when I was working away, working, you know, on temporary jobs from April, uh, from sort of March till October time, I got to be somebody different every year. And I worked away for near on 10 years. So I could go and work on one park in Scarborough and I would be a certain person. And then over the winter period, I'd go back to Manchester and I'd think about who I was and did I like any of that and remember all the areas that this person was born from and created through and did I want to be that person again the year after. And some pieces I'd keep, some pieces I'd throw away. And what I found is it was a great chiseling tool for me. Because when I was a lot younger and I first started doing certain things, my attempt to fit in would be extravagant. I would tell the most extravagant lies, you know, because you wanted to impress everyone. But what, what you soon realize is you can't be that fanciful every single time because nobody's like that. And, you know, in the end, I managed to get it down to a pretty fine art um, with this being a different person every time. And, you know, I was, uh, when I was working in Scotland, for example, um, I was working in a place called Port Seaton and there was an issue with the locals and they wanted to come into the park to drink alcohol, use the fruit machines, watch the entertainment. And we were saying that's absolutely fine, but you've got to pay for an entertainment pass. And they really got angry at that because they were like, well, we, we're from the area. Uh, and it ultimately ended up where people who well, this basically said that anyone from the park cannot go and use anything in the in the little port. You know, like there was a shop, a pub, all these certain things, and uh, they were aiming it more towards the English because the Scottish, the majority of them, for some bonkers reason, despise the English. And I lived and worked there for over two years, so I would stick my mask on, go into the town with a lad called Alan, who was Scottish through and through, and we'd go and have a few beers. But while I was in that pub, I was Scottish too. I had a Scottish accent, a good one. 
And I had to manage what I drank because the more I drank, the more the accent slipped. And if I got drunk, you'd be sat there talking to Liam Gallagher because the Mancunian comes out more, you know, the more I'm more of drank. So, you know, that's the mask and you have to mask to keep the dark passenger at bay. But my dark passenger is the real me, the autistic person, the one who doesn't want the interaction, the socialization, the, the interest in things that don't interest him. So I really understood that, you know, and Dexter's very logical. You know, he's got more logic than he does emotion. And I definitely think I'm the same. You know, I'm a very emotional person because I don't see why things have to go wrong. And I get very frustrated over it. And I only want the best. But I'm logical first. You know, because if we create the logic, there's less chance of things going wrong, so I don't have to get emotional. And, you know, even Dexter's kills have logic. He's got Harry's code. Um, and again, if you've never watched it, you're going to have to, because um, everything I say doesn't make sense. But, you know, his kills have logic because the person deserves to die in his head, in his logic, um, and they escape the justice system. But there's unequivocal evidence that he manages to find to prove their guilt. So he uh, does them in. So I get that. But I more so get it when you don't get to keep your logic and emotion kicks in because when it's outside of the logic, you start to lose control and you feel the control slipping away and you work so hard every single day to keep your control and maintain the status quo around you to make sure everybody else doesn't notice you and doesn't notice a change and doesn't notice that you you know can pick up on things and you know he really starts to lose it and he'll you know he's out of breath and he needs to escape people and just hide and you know lock himself in a toilet or a room and just gather his thoughts you know like he does it when he goes in his blood lab he'll drop his blinds and you know he'll feel it and that feeling I, I get that as well of losing the control because it isn't like you just want something quickly and you put five seconds of thought into it. You put everything into it. All, all seconds of all days, and if it starts to get away from you, it's, it starts coming unraveled. And because everything is interlinked and interwebbed, and you just start getting fearful that like everything's going to collapse. You know? And the crazy thing is, obviously, I'm talking about a serial killer who's hiding from people. I'm just hiding because I don't want the attention, but everything's still linked and wrapped up. and. Uh, so I, I understood that, you know, he walks into the police station, like in the first season and he's got a big box of donuts and he's smiling at people and people are taking the donuts. Thanks, Dex, taking a donut off him. You know, they're just seeing a guy with three donuts, whereas he's watching everyone and he can predict who's going to take what. And my life is all about prediction. And that's how I think I get away a lot of the time with the manipulation that I feel I have to do because I'm not manipulating them to use them and manipulating them to stay hidden so they don't ever have to feel bad because I'm not trying to gain anything from it apart from average you know and he gets to to do that and you know I I understand it because I try and boast people up when I first see them or people who you know you can sense their insecurities so I want to make them feel good about themselves and you know laughing at jokes that aren't funny just to make people feel a bit more at ease around you and I get it all. I get it all, you know, because even though I can play people, 
just like Dexter, I am very confused by them. And that's why I have to play them because they're not speaking my language and I'm certainly not speaking theirs. And that's why my mask is on. And so there's a lot of things that link together, in my opinion. You know, he's got his relationship. He's got his bowling because he, he joins a bowling team. He's not really bothered about bowling, not really bothered about a relationship at the beginning. Um, you know, and he, it's all just to maintain being Mr. Average. And that was the bit that resonated the most. Was just trying to be Mr. Average. You don't want attention. You know, you just want to be a number. You don't want to be the boss because being the boss can draw attention. You don't want to be the the leader of a pack because then people depend upon you and you're not always going to want to be the person depended upon. Uh, Dexter. <laughs> he had Harry's code. I've got Paul's code. You know, his was you know, don't get caught and all these other things about how to get away with being a serial killer, whereas mine are things like, you don't mess with me food, you don't mess with me sleep, I stay away from events, you know, um, because they are the biggest triggers for me to lose it. And I suppose, I mean, what time am I on now? How do I do this? I just waffle some nonsense, and I probably made no point whatsoever, but... I just want to say that I relate to Dexter Morgan, but I think the most interesting part to me out of it all, because it's great to see someone who reminds you of you and it's kind of like someone looks at you, you know, and goes, I see you. I see you. I know what you're doing. And you're like, whoa, I always thought it was a secret. Um, you know, all the blending in, all the Mr. Average, all the fake, all the doing things just to... Make sure you can not be seen or heard. And if you're not seen or heard, no one cares, which is exactly how I need to be when it's in real life every day. The part that got me the most was Sergeant James Dokes. <laughs> and he was great, but he could see Dexter. He knew something wasn't right. And Dexter didn't know how he could see it, but he knew Dokes could see him. You know, and uh, I, I try and do an impression of Dokes, but he swears all the time, and I don't want to swear on here. But I've had that. There is always someone who just doesn't take to you. You know, there is someone in my workplace who just doesn't take to me, no matter what I do. There was someone in my last work. Yep, there was, there was someone in my last work because they reported me from one of my training sessions saying I was bad-mouthing a boss. You know, they were, they were basically in the room to find what I was doing wrong to try and report me because there was just something about me they didn't like. Um, the place before that, it was my actual boss. <laughs> and I'll be able to tell you this person isn't my current place if I didn't work here anymore, but I, I still do. You know, I remember when I used to train a lot, and I would try and, you know, juggle everyone in the room to try and get perfect feedback. And then every now and again, you would find one slip because I used to read my own feedback. I was collecting it. And then you'd pull one out. And we only had four options. It was sort of like excellent, good, um, average, poor. And they ticked poor for everything and wrote this massive thing down the back of how they could see through me. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was a building in Manchester. 
um, on the on Princess Parkway, and she was quite well dressed, quite proper. But that was, I still remember there was a guy called Peter on the training, and I had him laughing that much that he, his face went like a tomato and he was crying, and I was feeding off that, and his laugh was making everybody else laugh. But this one woman just couldn't. She could just see that I wasn't being genuine. It's not, it's not like I was being a genuine person and then trying to make them laugh while I was training. It's like she could see that my baseline, where I was starting from, wasn't genuine. And then everything else was fake. And when, when I find people like that, I'd love to ask them, how do you know? You know how can you see me? Um, but you can't, you know, it's like one of those forbidden doors you can't walk through. I can't ask them how they can see me. Uh, and I guess that's a bit like Dexter. <laughs> I've made no sense, have I? Um, you know, but that's what Dokes was like for Dexter. He could see through him, but, you know, Dexter did say, you know, what's your problem with me? But, you know, he could have actually asked the genuine question, I know you can see what I am, you know, and he never did because it's a forbidden door and you can't kick it in. So there you go. I relate to Dexter Morgan. If you've seen Dexter, please let me know I'm not by myself. I feel so stupid now if this video ever sees the light of day. I don't know if it will, but uh, there we go. So anyway, thanks for watching and hopefully you'll come back. Um, and until next time, keep smiling.